the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to the Marinade with Jason Earl, episode 22 with Chuck Reagan. Such an honor, y'all. Chuck Reagan is a mensch. He is a punk legend, a folk genius, a fishing guide, an author, a purveyor of hot sauces. He's the stuff of legend, especially here in Florida. His band Hot Water Music was the soundtrack for more than one generation of disaffected teens growing up in the Sunshine State. And since then, his solo records, more folk than punk, have helped those same punk kids mature into adults. We caught up at the Sing Out Loud Festival in St. Augustine, right after he and Austin Lucas from episode 21 absolutely slayed the front porch stage at the St. Augustine Amphitheater. Chuck seemingly left it all on stage, yet he gave us a solid half hour of insight into his creative process. This is truly a thrill for me. Ladies and gentlemen, Chuck Reagan. We know now what lies before us underneath that we cannot move or can't be moved. Oh, bless cross current in a show. Wise men check, check, check. say, Holy Rush in. Just sing Elvis tunes for 30 minutes. Yeah, you, uh, you, you've obviously listened to the show because that's how we start every show. We just have the guests sing Elvis tunes. That's how it always goes. Chuck, thanks for sitting down with me, man. That was an amazing, amazing set. It was so much fun. Thanks, brother. It was a lot of fun. Um, str- a kind of a struggle on my end with... Uh, just the sun just baking that guitar. It's like 100 it degrees for y'all listening to this. It between is. the sweat on those strings and the sun beating on it, I couldn't keep that thing. I would get it in tune, and the first first time I'd hit it in each and every song, it would just, wow. Does that get in your head at all gone. when you're playing? It's frustrating, you know, because yeah. I know, but... It's one of those things where once you start it, you know, like you can't stop. You just yeah. got to power through it. Yeah. And do your best to try to stay away from all the foul <laughs> notes. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. You know, kind of change it up a little bit. I was just going to say, does that adjust your playing? Oh, 150%. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh,. It's tough, but always interesting, you know. Right. You gotta have you gotta have moments like that. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, know, it's all the, yeah. The best ones are organic like that, even if it's maybe a challenge. 
it's still those I moments. I agree. Right? Yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, man, you are a manic expressive. Like, I started to write down questions, and I ended up with just, like, bullet points because you you play music. You're a fishing guide, right? Mm-hmm. I am. You've got a lot of hot sauces. <laughs> You're an author. <laughs> yeah. I, get, I tend to get... I tend to get a lot of plates spinning, you know. I'm not claiming to be a master at any of them, uh. <laughs> you know. But, uh, you know, any, I, I do, I can say that anything I am doing, yeah, today, I'm gonna do it to the absolute best of my ability. Right. Well, that um, definitely comes through on stage. No. I mean, every time you play, it's like you leave everything out there, yeah. and you can see it when. Well, I mean, you you stood out there for like 40 minutes shaking hands. <laughs> that was so cool to see. Oh uh, yeah, I mean that's part of it to me. I mean, I have so much respect for the people who meet me halfway, man. You know, who make their way, spend their time, their energy, their money. You know what I mean? To go out of their way to to stand in the hot sun and watch us play tunes. That means a lot. That's you awesome. Know? So. To me, to stand out there, you know, and bake for a little while longer just to meet some of these people who care about the music mm-hmm. is, it's, it's just part of what I love, you know, about music is how it pulls people together. And mm-hmm. I learn a lot about not only the people and the fans and the supporters, but man, I learn a lot about myself, mm-hmm. you know, I, I am very lucky to have a part in music whether mine or hot water music where we've written songs that have uh you know not only helped us out (laughs) you know to grow or evolve or try to become better people but other people have have found inspiration in the music or have found comfort in it and uh we hear we hear a lot of wild stories Mm. about how the music has helped help them out and uh so to me to stand out there and you know just kind of go the extra mile i guess for a little bit you know what i mean yeah Uh, to me it would feel it just would feel off to just play right and uh all right thanks and jump in the cab and head to the hotel yeah you know what i mean sure that doesn't even makes sense to me <laughs> it probably inform that connection must inform first of all it, it pretty clearly informs the way you play and i would think it would inform that connection with the fans would inform the way you write does it have an impact when you're writing are you thinking about how it's going to be received or is it just i'm putting this down i'm, I'm creating yeah, this thing not so much i mean that kind of every once in a while i'll think about that just because just like any other musician or recording artist you know, you always want to get better. Yeah, you always yeah. want to do something better than you previously did, right? Yeah, yeah. So, sure, you know, I'd be lying if I said that it didn't, you know, cross my mind. Like, how, I wonder if people are going to dig this. Is this going to, you know, get people fired up? Right. But it is not even close to the, the like, the first drive that I feel in writing. You know, to me, writing it's always been a form of therapy like it has to to me it has to kind of rattle my own 
cage. It's it's got a. I need something to. I need it to stand the hair up on the back of my neck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where I write something and it chokes me up. You know what I mean? And or it it kind of inspires me or pushes me to you know overcome whatever it is that is in my way and um you know so once you know once it does that to me it's like okay i'm headed in the right direction stay on it stay on track and sometimes it could literally be like a phrase or just a chord change yeah you know what i mean something that i'm just like oh yes i love that yeah like I can't make it any better. <laughs> That's the best I can do, you know. Right, right. And um, to me, if I love it and it feels good, it's got to feel good. And yeah. If it feels good to me, I'm headed in the right direction. And but how people perceive it, that's not up to me, and I don't have any control over that. Mm. And at the end of the day, you know, I care for the people who support the music, but. Um, I can't bother whether, you know, whether they're going to like it or not. You yeah. Know what I mean, that's up, that's up to the people. Right. When does that, when does that process happen? You were talking about the feeling of needing that feeling of your, the hair standing up on the back of your neck. When are you, are you sitting down to write every day? Does it come in waves? Totally comes in waves. Really? Like I write, um, really sporadically at different times um sometimes i'm driving to work you know what i mean and a Mm. melody will come in or a phrase or something i try to you know jot it down in a notebook make a voice memo like you know something to just get it out Mm. off my chest out of my head Mm -hmm. you know uh, to not forget it or not to lose it because sometimes they get lost you know? right sometimes it's kind of like an earworm you know what i mean like I'll, I'll i'll find something and or or i guess what we say often is like recognize it you know what i mean some of us believe that like all the the songs are already there you know what i mean like the the movements the chord changes even the words like the direction it's already there it's just it's we're not necessarily writing it as much as we are discovering it. Wow. You know, so that's really intense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Do you think then about why does it come to you in that moment? If it's already there? I mean, I, I mean, I I don't think it's any different than, uh, you know, wandering around in this world and finding that, incredible swimming hole that you know not everybody sees the the majority of the people in this world will spend the their entire life and they'll never find that they'll never recognize that but for some reason you decided to run down that one trail and cross over that one overgrown path and out you come out into the open and here's this beautiful spot that just completely electrifies your whole existence you know what i mean we were like oh my god this is incredible yeah you know it's always existed it's always been there you just discovered it just you're there on your journey that's right just ready for it on your journey or just 
is in your exactly. path. I mean, all these songs that all of these bands are writing, it's all the same. It's all the same. We sing about love. We sing about breakup. We sing about hardship. We sing about glories, you know? Yeah. And at the end of the day, all the stories are the same. You know, the movements, the the changes, the energies, you know, all that is, you know, what what makes it different for everyone is is just an, an individual, to me, like an individual recognizing it, acknowledging it through their own eyes and through their own, you know, voice, you know, ways, their own expressions. Yeah. It comes to you when you're driving. Are there other kind of specific moments or, or things that you're doing that where those moments happen? Uh, sometimes fishing. Really? Uh, you know, I don't, you know, nowadays I don't, I don't really get to fish a whole lot. You know, I take people fishing, uh, uh-huh. you know, but uh, it's not often that, you know, I get out completely by myself. And uh. I used to do a lot more of that. You know, I used to have somebody else do a shuttle drop my drift boat in and you know run down the river by myself and get out camp right fish right camp you know and just kind of just submerge myself into that kind of world you know just clear my head and and uh I don't do that as much you know But, but and it's fine I mean it's a lot of it is I just work a lot now when I'm home. Uh-huh. I'm working. I'm I'm in a boat more than I'm on a stage nowadays. Wow. And uh, and then when I'm not doing either of those things, I'm at home taking care of a toddler. Uh-huh. And, uh, That's fine. So that has a lot to do with it, you know, for sure. And yeah. it's wonderful. Uh, but uh, yeah. Are you doing more fishing? Because you're enjoying it that much, or is it because hey, I got a toddler and being on the road is a little more challenging uh, i mean a little bit of a little bit of both thank you brother yeah <laughs> oh yeah oh it's all good man it's my, it's all good. this is a free-flowing conversation my brother big nice. country nice thank you man <laughs> pink lemonade it's delicious <laughs> <laughs> rock and roll um <laughs> where were we we're talking <laughs> I, you should uh, see Chuck lost uh, in this pink lemonade, lost ladies and gentlemen. Lost in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was asking you about the um, the fact that you've been fishing more and oh yeah, on a stage. Yeah, so um, I chose. You know, for years, it wasn't when I grew up. Like all I wanted to do was play music. All yeah. I wanted to do was travel, tour, tour, tour. Just be in a band. Yeah. Um, the things that the things that you have to deal with in your adult life are not necessarily you know <laughs> you know you don't realize that stuff is <laughs> at, at a young age you know you're just and we've always lived in the moment and lived you know and in a lot of ways we still do uh, not much has changed but sure. you know when kids and family and 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 then all the agendas that come with that like mm. where your own agendas you know what i mean that's it's europe you you have a family right and it's a comp- it's a different agenda altogether 
multiple agendas, right? Yeah. And um, once that comes into play along with just being in this society, you know, of paying bills, having mortgages, you know what I mean? Just I do know what you mean. Regular, res- regular everyday responsibilities. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's brutal, especially how the industry has changed. It, it's really brutal for a musician to, to make a good living without constantly being on the road. Yeah. And as you probably know, when you're constantly on the road, it's not necessarily conducive with family life. Yeah. You know, it's really tough. You know, I mean, we, we hear it from people where they're like, oh, man, you know, it must be so hard to, like, tour all the time, live out of bag, like, constantly in and out of airports and on and off vans and buses and that. And, yeah, it's tough. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're, man, we got it good. Yeah. Know? Who it's tough on is our loved ones back home. Yeah. Like, the moms who are basically living as a single mother right right you know what i mean in a lot of ways um with with you know their man or or vice versa you know a man at home take care of the kids with the the mom on the road yeah um you know for just weeks and months out of the year you know yeah um it's brutal on them and a lot harder on them than it is on us i think yeah and missing out on that connection with your partner in life too you know it, it yeah it's it's hard and and takes a serious toll. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm I'm gonna spend one night away from my girlfriend, and I'm like, <laughs> and it's like kind of kind of kind of tough, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna be fine. I'm gonna get through the night, but yeah. I'm gonna miss the hell out of her. Yeah. Because of that companionship and because of that support, yeah. you know, too. Like, because yeah. when we're dealing with our own shit, having somebody there is yeah. priceless, you know. Yeah. And a lot of times when you're away from home, a lot of stuff comes up too. You know, you talked about how fans, oh, yeah, you know, sure. you're, you're, you're hearing stories and you're learning about yourself. And as you're yeah. learning about yourself, it's always good to have somebody there who you can trust to kind of bounce ideas off of and yeah. ask or, for that or support. too. Yeah, or vent <laughs> too, know? yeah. Yeah, kick and scream too. Yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah. The, the Flame and the Flood was a soundtrack around a video game am i right to say that that's right yeah what was that process like so that all started where you know scott sinclair who was the artist who did uh the majority uh you know all the art for the flame and the flood at least the paintings and the images um scott hot water music worked with for years he's a Mm. dear old friend Mm -hmm. even before hot water ever started Scott Sinclair was the guy who all every Hot Water record cover, uh, that art that's yeah. on there, that's Scott uh-huh. Sinclair. Awesome. And um, he's always been a good friend. And he hit me up, you know, probably, probably a good year and a half before that game came out and said, hey, man, I'm working on this project, and, and I kind of thought of you. It might be something up your alley. It's a video game. And I was, at first, I was really apprehensive you know uh um my idea a lot of the times and this may offend some gamers but you know um i you know i work with a lot of kids who who really need 
to be in the outdoors. Yeah, yeah. More than they need to play video games. Yeah, uh-huh. And uh, uh, I, you know, I was a little bit apprehensive about it, but then he's, the more he started explaining what the game was about and what they were doing and how it was basically the story of this girl drifting down the river, you know, mm-hmm. in a this kind of post-apocalyptic world, you know, surviving, trying to, using real life uh, survival skills ah. and learning. And all of a sudden it was a really strange realization where I'm like, man, what's really odd is there's gonna be kids who are gonna learn more about the outdoors just from playing this video game oh, cool. than, than they normally would in their life living in the middle of the city where, yeah. you know, they're never or rarely going to see the things that I see every single morning when I'm home or, you know, that, that some of us take for granted, you know what I mean? And yeah. just kind of living um, a life of, you know, always kind of being in the outdoors or, you know. That's really cool. Nature. It was It was strange. So I... Anyhow, and yeah. and I'm always I've always been a fan of uh, Sinclair, and I met, you know, the molasses flood guys, and uh, anyhow, we communicated a lot. They were sending me images, um, storyboard storyboards, word clouds, you name it, you know, just to get a feel of the film and. And it all just made total sense. I'm like, man, I'm I'm on the river all the time. I like I row a drift boat down the river and like that's this makes sense to me. Yeah. You know? And so a lot of the Flame and the Flood songs, I just like we were talking about before, because uh-huh. this all happened before Grady my boy was born. Uh-huh. And uh uh you know, a lot of those songs I wrote just kinda doing these solo missions to the river. Yeah. And, uh, you know, camping on the river and working on songs and just kind of putting myself there. And it was. It was I'm a, laughing because it's the most romantic neat, ideal in my head. That you're <laughs> floating was, down the river fishing and camping. It was a neat uh, process. It was pretty that's fun. awesome, man. So when, sitting down to write songs like that, I mean, that's a sp- very specific thing that you're writing. That, yeah. That seems like that would be very different from just a, a phrase came to me and I'm going to sit down and write the song. I mean. Totally, yeah. And if if anything, it was kind of the first time I'd ever done any kind of, for lack of a better term, like a concept record. Yeah, uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was uh, there was a an agenda there. There was like a end goal. Right. Like you know where, here here's the story was already there. Right. 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 So, all basically what I had to do was kind of somehow tie in my own stories you know to this kind of overall end goal yeah that's really cool man so talking about spinning plates so there's that plate there's the music plate there's the fishing plate and then the hot sauce plate what's this how'd you get into that what's the story behind that? man my my brother and i grew up uh, in a cajun family cooking was always a big part of our lives yeah you know, we we cooked with my mama and my mama. You know, mm-hmm. often that that was that was just always is part of our life. You know, and 
But one thing we used to do is we used to always make sauces, you mm. know, uh, even when we were little kids. Yeah. And uh, and we would make stuff that would burn us up. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. And we'd always just try. So it was something where we always wanted to. We talked about it. Yeah. But it was always just kind of like end of the night, you know. Right, right. Yeah, one of these. <laughs> and then uh, and then it wasn't until years later. Um, I was on tour and I started thinking about it and I'm like, man, you know, the majority of the people that I know that I've worked with for the past 20, over 20 years run restaurants, venues, bars, catering businesses. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I, this, even though it's a saturated market, the hot sauce market, yeah. Like we have a little bit of an edge, you know, to do it because we it, and that and this was c hoping or considering that it would actually be good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah right. Right. We're like if it's good, you know, we might have a lot of friends who may want to pick it up. And, yeah. But, you know, the original goal was just to make a make, you know, a thousand bottles uh -huh. and bring them on tour and put them on the merch table and just sure. sell them for the fun of it. Right. And uh I went to my buddy John Gaunt, fiddle player John uh -huh, Gaunt. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, man, let's let's do this, you know. And he was into it. And then later on, we found our friend Chad Dolezal in in um, Austin, Texas, uh -huh. who originally wasn't even going to be a part of the company. He was just he was just batching out stuff, like helping us helping us get the sauce that we want. He's a chef. He had a certified kitchen. He's like, I'll batch stuff out for you. Send me the recipe. We'll talk about, you know, you tell me the color, the consistency, the heat level, like every where where you want it to get. And we'll get as close to it as possible yeah. when you're happy with it. We'll send it off. Well, starting to work with Chad, I noticed that, man, he had a serious passion for it. And and the more him and I worked on it, and uh, you know, my brother and John Gaunt are involved as well. But Chad just became like not only an MVP, but he became uh, he became a partner. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, so we we launched it last year, and we I think the first batch was about 3,700 bottles, and we sold out and two months two and a half months wow and uh kind of so fast that we weren't ready for that yeah of course because i got a ton of stuff going he has other businesses you know everybody's busy and we're like oh <laughs> we like yeah and so we had uh we still were having orders coming in and and we didn't have the sauce to send oh no um, but we went through uh we went through the mill and back with uh different co-packers that were just a nightmare absolute nightmare to work with lawsuits like you know rotten stuff that is that like part of the industry or something apparently so huh. apparently it's normal ah, we had bummer. no idea yeah how difficult and what a pain it is to try to uh make a hot sauce and go <laughs> big with it yeah is it does that scratch a a creative itch that the hot sauce the hot sauce company? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, like, I love to cook. For years, I always, you know, there was a long time where I was working on a recipe book because I thought that's what I wanted to do, and I was kind of getting close to putting that out. And then, yeah. uh, you know, that kind of went away. And, I mean, I just love to cook. And um, same, I, I look at it, man, I look at it the same way as tying flies or making records, right? Mm. You know, I can I can make a record, send it to somebody. They can put it out there, duplicate it. You know, uh, people can buy it. People can find it. Same with the flies. You know, yeah. tie flies and put them out there to a company, and they can produce them and get them to people that need them or want them. It's the same with the sauce. You know what I mean? But we can make something that people are going to enjoy yeah. and that we enjoy. Yeah. You know. Um, that's less hot sauce that we have to buy when we're at the grocery ah. store. <laughs> right. um, the one last plate I want to ask you about is the, the book, The Road Most Traveled, mm. which on Amazon sells for like $538. I don't know if you knew this. Oh, don't. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that's nuts. What, how did that book come about? Uh, it came about, I was doing an interview, a lot like this, where yeah. um, with a... A gentleman that I feel bad, I can't remember his name, but it was uh, for a magazine in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I remember that. Okay. And at some point in the end interview, he says, uh, you know, what was uh, the coolest or the most important thing that you've learned on the road? Yeah. In all your years of traveling. And, uh, and I answered the question, right? And I can't even really re even remember what I said, but... Uh, I remember after the interview, I just, I thought about it that night, you know, I thought about that question and I was like, uh, I, sh I could have said this, you know uh, what I mean? Uh. And then the next morning, I'm like, oh, I, or I could have said that, you know? Yeah. And then it was, it was just lodged in there. Yeah. I thought about this same question for weeks uh. and I started really kind of like, what really is the most important? You know, and the more I started thinking about it, you know, uh, the more I realized, like, man, somebody could ask me that question a thousand days in a row and I'm, I can give them a different answer. Right. You know, and um, at the time I was working with uh, a publishing company on a lyric book uh, who, that was more or less like a poetry book that uh, is kind of just sitting in a box somewhere. Um, that never came to be uh, huh. up in the Pacific Northwest. And at the time being, uh, we were kind of at a standstill with that book. And I said, man, I have this idea for another book. Um, and the whole idea was, you know, so all these people that I've worked with and have known for over half of my life have lived and worked, made a living on the road. And they're not just people that you see on the marquee or see their names on mm -hmm. T-shirts. Mm -hmm. I'm talking like hotel managers, truck drivers, bus drivers, you know, the roadies, the stage crew, all these people who their role and their life and everything that they do is just as valid and important as the dude that everybody's buying the T-shirt for or paying the ticket to come and go see right right 
their job is just as important. Right. And they've been doing it just as long, some of them longer yeah. than the guy that they're going to pay to go see, right? So to me, all of those stories are just as important, just as valuable to hear and understand, you know? So all I did was I went around and uh, I asked a bunch of, bunch of buddies, like, hey, I'm putting this little book together. Um, I'm going to ask you a question and answer the question in 500 to 1,000 words. You know, what's the most valuable life experience you've ever learned while living a life on the road? And all of those people just answered that question. And, uh, you know, but it's really, it was really cool. And I learned a lot because to me, and a lot of it was stuff that I already had experienced or I'd known. Some of it was totally off the wall that I wasn't expecting to come back. But a lot of it was stuff that I had realized, you know, maybe years ago and had forgotten, you know, yeah. kind of the whole what's obvious isn't always seen so right when i'm when i was kind of dealing with a lot of the editing and and just kind of fielding all the responses that were coming in i'm reading these stories and just kind of having these little realizations or these little recharges you know that were happening i'm like oh yeah you know that's that's something that i need to always recognize yeah that maybe i've been neglecting to see that is so cool yeah. can folks get that somewhere other than for five hundred dollars on amazon is <laughs> i i need to repress repress it man i just yeah. uh i don't have the money to do it right now but yeah one of i'd like to days, read that yeah. one of these days i'll do it that's great yeah. man check i don't want to take any more of your time this has been such an honor man oh well, I, I, I appreciate uh, your time man. i grew Thank up you. in ocala so yeah. like hot water music was like a it's just a, a part of growing up there, you know. It's just like a thing. I kind of grew up a little bit in Ocala. I used to, my brother and I, used to go skate Thrashers all the oh, time. Oh wow, yeah. We, we lived in Sarasota. Yeah. And uh, we used to sneak up there and get in uh, our buddy Doc's car and uh, you know ride up there with uh, when my parents had no idea where we were going. Yeah. <laughs> and we'd go just wreck ourselves and. And when we got a little bit older, uh, our parents used to drive us up there. That's cool. That's fun, man. It's a good, good place. And yeah. then I lived in Micanopy for a while. And, yeah. Uh, oh, so beautiful. You know, was, yeah. So beautiful. The, the street there. family. Yeah. That's great. Well, man, thank you so much. Hey, it's my pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All the best. Took a walk in Rotterdam Thinking about a train All along the banks of memory Holding tight away And on the end of every corner Could almost hear her sound Time went by in ecstasy Walking next to walls And the color of the water Was the rails that she was on And when the whistles blew far away I Chuck Reagan, y'all. Thank you, Chuck. It was an honor to talk with you. 
The two songs of Chucks that we use in this episode are Gathering Wood from The Flame and the Flood and Rotterdam from 2009's Gold Country. Thank you all so much for listening. A special thank you to our Patreon patrons. Y'all are amazing. If you can swing it and you're not already a Patreon patron, come join the ranks for a modest contribution per month. You can help keep the marinade a viable endeavor. Our patrons get an exclusive podcast, swag, and other content, as well as opportunities to ask questions of our guests. So go on to patreon.com and search the marinade. Also, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and send us messages. We love it. Rate us wherever you consume podcasts, please. It makes a big difference for us, and it's free. All right, uh, now to what I'm getting down on. I am obsessed with Erica Winterstrom's Sweet Unknown. Erica is the lead singer of the outstanding band Heartless Bastards, whose records I've been a fan of for years. Erica's solo record came out earlier this year, and it is a gorgeous, hope-filled masterpiece, a challenger for album of the year in my mind. So get down on it. Sweet Unknown by Erica Winterstrom. Season two of Amazon's outstanding TV series, Patriot, came out earlier this month. Patriot is dark and hilarious and beautifully written, gorgeously shot, expertly acted, so well worth your time. It's about a reluctant government agent who really just wants to be a folk singer, and I can't recommend it enough. And I'm currently reading David Halberstam's The Best and the Brightest, one of those books I've been meaning to pick up for years. Um, It's an account of the Kennedy administration's decision to get the U.S. heavily involved in the Vietnam War. It's a fair but critical account of that horrendous blunder. And I think it's important to revisit those events, especially considering the current political landscape and the decisions of our current administration. Thank you all so much for listening. Until next time, cheers, y'all.